0: You're listening to the Mission Church podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. How many of you are ready for a Bible study this morning? All right, we're going to have our uh, ushers and greeters come and uh, provide Bibles, and while they're doing that, it's a special morning for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, we're in this Christmas series called God's Christmas Grace, God's Christmas Grace, and really taking a look at the Christmas story and how Christ gifted to us is the testimony and the tangible expression of God's grace, his undeserved kindness. It's also a special morning because not only at first service, but second service, we are doing baptisms today. And who knew that God would be moving in such a way that we're having 20 people get baptized this morning, which is incredible. Uh, That means, much to your dismay, the sermon will have to be much shorter. I know, I know, everyone settle down. No one's as excited as my father-in-law here this morning for that short message. Uh, So it will be a shorter message this morning, uh, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. As you turn there, why don't we bow our heads together and let's get into God's Word. Father, thank you for the Christmas story. Not just a story in a book, but Lord, something that actually happened in history. Something that is real, intangible, and, and is the bedrock of the foundation that we stand on. The birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, would your spirit move in a mighty way this morning to speak through your word to each of us. To pierce our hearts, to give us understanding conviction, encouragement, and joy in this Christmas season. Thank you that there is hope because of what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done. So God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. May you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. If you were with us last week, Pastor Dave went through... Uh, The announcement, the angel's announcement to Zacharias about the coming forerunner who was John the Baptist. The one that would come before Jesus announcing that the Messiah had finally come. The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy was to come true. And this morning we're going to look at another announcement. The angel Gabriel telling Mary that she was going to have a son. So we begin In Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This morning, we're going to take a little bit of time to unpack this verse by verse. We are going to be moving quickly, but a pretty amazing story as Luke, the author, sets out to write the account of what happened when Mary found out that she was going to have a son. And here in verse 26, Luke tells us, now in the sixth month, the sixth month or the month of Elul, this is uh, the month that Jewish calendar covers um, August, excuse me. Yeah, August to September, and according to the biblical calendar, there is a, like, modern calendar that Jews use today, but according to the biblical calendar in Jesus' day, this six month was known as a lul during the August and September time frame. If you add 10 months for Mary to carry Jesus, you can figure out when Mary was born. Not really in December. <laughs> Nevertheless, we celebrate it in December. We're told by Luke that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city called Nazareth. What's really interesting is we know that Gabriel is an archangel. If we went back to the Old Testament, you could find references about Gabriel in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And it says that the angel Gabriel was sent to a city called Nazareth. Now, what's really interesting about Nazareth is... It was such a podunk little place that it really wasn't even on the map. It was a very small area where nothing significant happened. And even later on in Jesus' ministry, when someone says, Hey, the Messiah has come, Jesus of Nazareth. Someone goes, wait a minute, Nazareth? Can anything good even come from Nazareth? And yet here is this archangel Gabriel sent by God to visit this woman Named Mary. Verse 27 makes it clear that she was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. It's important that we note that Luke is very intentional to use the word this was a virgin. A virgin was someone who had not had any kind of sexual intercourse. Mary had not known and to be known was to be united in marriage. Mary had not known a man And yet it tells us that she is betrothed. Within the Jewish marriage context, there are three stages. There's the engagement period in which an arranged marriage is made. There is the betrothal period in which covenants and promises are made from the individuals, in this case, Mary and Joseph. And then there is the actual marriage, which is the consummation of husband and wife physically coming together and living with one another we learn that Mary and Joseph are in this stage of betrothal. It means that there are covenants made between them, which also suggests that in order for this to be annulled, there would have to be a divorce that would happen. Luke is very intentional to tell us that this angel Gabriel came during the betrothal period. Mary and Joseph had already been promised to one another. And it says of Joseph that he was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, Luke, twice in this passage, mentions that Joseph is of the house of David. This is important for a few reasons. One, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. We'll talk about that prophecy from 2 Samuel chapter 7 a little bit later on this morning. But Joseph is from the lineage of King David. This was very important for the biblical prophecy of the Messiah coming from the line of David to be fulfilled. And we learn that his fiance, her name is Mary. And Gabriel says in verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, the angel shows up. And uh, how many of you have... This strange vision of angels being these cute little chubby things. If you've been, if you've been sitting in a church for long enough, we recognize that that's probably not what angels look like. They are sitting and standing in the presence of the Lord God. They would have been radiant and brilliant with light. They are also called the commanders of God's army, which means that they are probably well built. We know that they fly. As a matter of fact, in Daniel chapter 8, it does talk about Gabriel flying. We don't know if that means they have wings or not, but Gabriel would have been an intimidating figure. And here's Mary sitting in her little tiny house in this no-good place called Nazareth, and this archangel shows up, and he says, Rejoice! How would you respond? How many of you are crawling under the bed? How many of you are beginning to throw things? How many of you are just dead still and you don't know what to do? Fight, flight, or freeze. Verse 29, when Mary saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Uh, The Greek word for troubled actually means she was wholly troubled within herself. Her entire being was shaken. This isn't a simple, oh, that's strange. She would have been terrified. Mary would have been terrified it was going on. But the angel assures her and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. Isn't it interesting that when God speaks to his people, what does he almost always use? He speaks to them by name. And he assures them to not be afraid. We get this sense also at Jesus' resurrection. When Mary, a different Mary, is waiting outside the tomb. She's been crying. She thinks that Jesus is the gardener until he says what? Mary. He calls her by name. Here the angel Gabriel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb... And bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. The angel gives her quite an announcement. You are going to have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus was not an uncommon name at this time. It comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua or the the name Joshua, which means to deliver and to rescue. It was not an uncommon name until Jesus was born, died, and resurrected, and then it became an uncommon name to use. The angel is very specific. You will conceive and bear a son, and this is what you are to name him. His name is to be the deliverer or rescuer. And then the angel begins to unpack who this Jesus is going to be. Verse 32, the angel says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What I love about the Christmas story is the Christmas story is focused on Jesus. The Christmas story is focused on Jesus. This is important for more than one reason. Number one, when we experience Christmas, what often happens? You're like, I'm not even ready for Christmas. We've got to get gifts and we've got to prepare for family to come in. Or we've got to go see family. Or now that COVID's here, we've got to worry about Christmas masks and making sure that we have the appropriate red glittery Christmas mask or whatever it is. It's easy for us to get busy or to get stressed or to get frustrated or to make Christmas about anything but the one who Christmas is truly about. The Christmas story is focused on Jesus And here the angel Gabriel shares with Mary who this son that she's about to bear is going to be. The first thing the angel says is, this son will be great. The Greek word used here is megas. Megas, which gives us the word in English, mega. The word mega means exceedingly large, huge, tremendous. Your son will be great. The second thing the angel tells Mary about her son is he will be the son of the Most High God. Just to be clear, this has never been the title of anyone born up to this point. Verse 35 affirms this. If you want to look there real quick at the very end, the angel Gabriel says, Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of of God. This is the Messiah that had been promised to the Jewish nation since the beginning. Gabriel is now announcing to Mary the child that you will bear is the Messiah. The third thing that the angel tells Mary is that Jesus will reign upon the throne of David, will reign upon the throne of David. And then lastly, the King who will reign forever. The king who will reign forever. You don't have to turn there for time's sake, but I want to read it to you. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. To give you some context, King David is now in charge of Israel. And he has defeated all of the enemies around Israel. And Israel is entering into this season of peace. And David is going, wait a minute, I've got this beautiful palace built for me, and yet the Ark of the Covenant still sits in a tent. I will build a house for God. And through Nathan the prophet, God speaks to David and says, hey, I don't want you to build me my house because there's too much blood on your hands. But let me tell you something, David, I'm going to build you a house a house that cannot be built with human hands a house that will last forever and in 2 samuel chapter 7 verse 16 god says this to king david and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you your throne shall be established forever you're a Bible scholar or a Bible geek and you want to write down another passage, look up this week Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7, talking about the government resting upon the shoulders of this one to who would be born, who is Jesus. Now we are not sure exactly how old Mary was, probably somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. But here is what we know about Mary. She was not just some random Jewish girl selected. She was faithful. She was obedient. And she knew God's word. As the angel is speaking and sharing these prophetic, biblical things from the Old Testament that are to come true, I'm sure Mary's mind was racing and thinking These are the things that God has spoken of in his Old Testament. These are things that I've learned as I've been growing up. And yet I'm sure it was also quite a shock to Mary. Trying to figure this whole thing out. Now, God, if we were to go back to the book of Genesis, God promises Abram or Abraham more descendants than he can count. More descendants than there are stars in the sky. And he gives Abraham, this amazing promise of a blessing. And Abraham's like, oh, this is amazing. But there's this one issue. What was the one issue Abraham had? He didn't have a child. This is a natural understanding or natural progression of thinking in which Mary's like, that's amazing. I love what you just told me. One question. We get to verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be since I do not know a man? Now, if you were with us last week, Pastor Dave covered how Zacharias asks the angel Gabriel, Wait a minute. How is this going to happen? And what happened to Zacharias? He was made to be silent until John was born. He asked in skepticism. Mary is not reprimanded because she asks in faith, but she is asking a very practical question. I've never had sexual intercourse with a man. That's what it means to know a man. I've never had sexual intercourse with a man. How am I to have this child? And we know that Mary is asking in faith because the angel Gabriel gives her the proper response. One that would have been difficult to take in and is still difficult for us to take in and yet is one of the hinge points of all Christianity and I'll look at that in just a moment. Here is what the angel's response is to Mary who says, hey, how's this going to happen? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God will be called the Son of God. Here is what we know. Mary is going to have an immaculate conception. I had to say that slow because I'm so used to saying the immaculate reception and visions of the Steelers are going through my head. (laughs) The immaculate conception... What does that mean? It means that Jesus was not conceived by a man or by the seed of a man. And here is why that is important. By one man's sin, sin entered the world and therefore death also came into the world. Had Jesus been born from the seed of Joseph, he would have been born with what? A sin nature. A sin nature. Therefore... Yes, Jesus is born of a woman, but he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. The shadow of the Most High coming upon Mary to give her this child. Now here's why the virgin birth is so important. If Mary was lying or if she was delusional, Jesus would have been born into what? He would have been born into sin he would not have been qualified to take our sins upon himself and to go to the cross to bear the sins of the world. It is essential that we believe in the virgin birth as part of this Christmas story, not only for Christmas sake, but for our salvation that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, allowing him to be born holy and without a sin nature. Verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. What an incredible testimony to Mary to help grow her in her faith to go, wait a minute, my cousin Elizabeth, she's way past childbearing age. The only way that this could happen was from God. Now, we, we looked at last week that John the Baptist was conceived between Zacharias and Elizabeth. And that was miraculous in itself. But it was a man and a woman coming together. Whereas in this case, it is Mary conceiving through the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what the angel Gabriel finishes as he speaks to Mary. He says, for with God, nothing will be impossible now a lot of people or a lot of churches can take that and do all kinds of things with with God anything is possible Um, you can put it on a t-shirt you can put it on a coffee mug you can say it before a football game you can say it for your finances whatever you want but in the context of what the angel Gabriel is saying is I know it sounds crazy I know it sounds impossible, and yet with God, when he desires to accomplish his will, nothing is impossible for him. Mary knew the Old Testament. She knew the way that God had delivered his people out of Egypt in an impossible manner by making the Red Sea part so that people could go through. She knew the Old Testament. That Abraham and Sarah had become pregnant when they were 75 and 80, excuse me, 99 and 89 years old. She knew the Old Testament stories of God doing the impossible and Gabriel simply affirms what Mary has already studied and known in God's word. That God is going to do something impossible. Verse 38 is where we'll spend a few moments That is important to us. Notice Mary's response. Then Mary said. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I don't know. If that's all Mary said. But if that's all Mary said. This is an incredible woman of faith. This archangel from heaven comes down to earth bright as the sun and lays it on her that she's going to be pregnant outside of marriage, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that her son is going to be the Messiah. Now, real quick, just practically speaking, you think people might talk? How many of you might have a few more questions for the angel Gabriel? Just me this morning. That's okay. Well, yeah, but how, how am I going to convince people that this is from God? How are they going to know that I, I haven't committed adultery? If you remember in the Hebrew culture, what was the penalty for adultery? It was death by stoning. Mary, in faith, listened to her response again. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is what it looks like to have faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus produces a humble heart. Faith in Jesus produces a humble heart. Here is what I love about Mary's response. She says, Behold or see the maidservant of the Lord. That word maidservant in the Greek is doulos. Doulos means either slave or servant. Does Mary think of herself up here? Absolutely not. She goes, hey, see, the maidservant of the Lord. She takes a humble position of a servant, which is the appropriate position for her to take. Faith in Jesus produces a humble heart. Do you live your life in humility? Do you live your life in humility? Taking the rightful position of a servant or a slave of Christ to minister to others. Faith in Jesus obeys God's word. Faith in Jesus obeys God's word. Notice that Mary isn't questioning the angel. She's not questioning God. She submits to the words that come from the Lord, and she is going to walk in obedience to these words. Now, this is important, family. Don't miss this. We could have just put believes God's word. And without having you raise your hands, I just want you to think about this question. How many of you believe in God? How many of you believe in God? But now let me ask you this question. How many of you walk in obedience to his word? Because there is a difference. Even the demons believe. But to walk in obedience to God's word is to fulfill what God has called us to, which is to walk in humility, repentance, and the newness of life that God has called us to through his son, Jesus Christ. I've mentioned several times that Mary would have been a student of God's word. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, the prophet Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This would have been a passage of scripture that would have been taught to Mary. Maybe not in the detail emphasizing verse 14, but she would have heard the scroll of Isaiah read as she was growing up. We know in other places in the Gospels that Mary often keeps things or ponders things in her heart. Maybe not understanding the fullness of what is going on, but knowing they're important. Thirdly, faith in Jesus produces lordship. Lordship, she says these words, let it be. As you have said, Lord, let this happen. The best way that I can probably describe lordship is when you have a boss that says, be at work by 7 a.m., what time do you show up to work? <laughs> Very good. Some people are like 6.50, 6.55. If you show up at 7, you're late. you're late. It may seem impersonal to think of God as a boss, even though he is so much more. But when it comes to lordship, it shows, Lord, whatever you say, let it be so. Let me follow you in your ways. Let me submit to your authority with joy and trust and faith. And then lastly, faith in Jesus glorifies God's name, glorifies God's name. I want you to jump down with me to verse 46. This is the response that Mary gives. And we're not going to unpack this, but I just want you to hear Mary's voice, Mary's song. This is very similar to 1 Samuel 2, verses 1-10, through when Hannah, who was Samuel's mother, rejoices in the good news that she will have a son. Mary's response to this good news is, My soul magnifies the Lord. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Who is the subject Of all of this magnificence and glory. It is God. Faith in Jesus glorifies God's name. When we look at Mary's response. It is evident that the only way that she could respond. Because of the faith that she had in God. Was to glorify his name. Because Jesus is God's grace. Jesus is God's Christmas grace. The greatest gift that we have received is the undeserved kindness of our heavenly father through his one and only son who left heaven, right? Faith produces a humble heart. Well, where does that humility come from? God left his place in heaven and came down to earth. In an act of humility, God gave himself through his son So that we could be saved of our sins. Jesus went to the cross for the very purpose of fulfilling what had been talked about in the Old Testament that one would come who would be great, the Son of the Highest, who would reign upon the throne of David, fulfilling that unconditional covenant made with David and God, that there would be one from his line, the house of David who would reign forever and ever. Church family, it was asked of you last week, and I'll ask of it again. What do you want for Christmas? Perhaps it's already available. Maybe some of you have already received that gift of grace. Maybe there are some of you here today who need to receive that gift of grace. To receive that undeserved kindness, that through repentance, through the confession of sin, through believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and walking in that newness of life, you can be a recipient of that grace. This morning we have the joy of baptizing eight people at our first service. These individuals are recipients of God's Christmas grace. Of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh come down from heaven to earth to rescue us. And as we think about baptism, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 11. What it means to be baptized. That this is not just a ritual. This is not just a tradition. This is not something that hey. You take this class. You put in your six weeks. And you get a baptism. No. This is something. That God has been working on the inside of these individuals. And baptism is the outward representation of what God has already done. Through his son Jesus Christ. Romans 6. 3 through 11 says this. Or have you forgotten. That when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.